We don't do that here. But the So I came to my desk and I saw that things were strewn about and it's uh, one of my, my male cat really likes to antagonize the smaller one, my smaller female cat. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, one of her favorite places to hide is the window that's directly behind my monitor and yeah. So when she gets up onto the desk, she likes to knock everything around on her way to the window. Good cat. Yeah, that's great. That's my favorite. Yeah, I, I came home to my dog having dug another hole in the middle of her yard and torn up his blanket. So I know the feel. Sometimes yeah. the pets just need to ruin your shit sometimes. All right. Welcome to another episode of The Ultimate Fucking Casual. Who is The Ultimate Fucking Casual? That would be me. My name is Leo. I don't know a whole lot about MMA, but fortunately I'm joined by my good friend Nathan, who does know a fair amount, a good amount, about MMA. So we're gonna, he's gonna school me up on what's been going on. We're gonna be reviewing a little bit more or we're going to have a lot more recaps than usual. Just a quick note on the boxing side of things. Fury, Tyson Fury and uh, Oleksandr Usyk is signed. The Undisputed Heavyweight Championship will be on the line. And Let's go. Yeah, so that's great news. Still, fuck Tyson Fury, but this is a really good move. Really good to see. I thought this was never going to happen. But uh, what's interesting is that this is signed while the the fight with Nganu has not happened yet. So, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, there's there's definitely the chance of, like, Fury looks completely past his opponent, and that's how Nganu somehow upsets him. But I think the more realistic route is that this ends up just being, like, a, an old, super easy get-back-in-shape tune-up, and he takes, like, zero damage and just boxes him up, and then he's ready for Usyk. Oh, yeah, this is how he's going to shake off the, the rust. Yeah, I mean, he got fairly fat. The, the first little face-off they <laughs> yeah, had, he, he was... Did. I was like, oh, great, here we go again. Uh, remember a long t- oh, quite a while ago, I think it was just after the, the t- when he beat uh, Vladimir Klitschko, mm-hmm. he, he had a quote where he... Uh, what did he say? He's like, I can go from being an obese pig to, uh, like, a jacked... Uh, uh, what, like a jacked statue or something yeah like a greek like a greek god yeah, statue or something to, like that yeah it could go to, from being a pig to to a greek god in a matter in a matter of weeks all right man whatever works for you it's just funny because i think a few weeks later he was like 30 pounds heavier after that <laughs> quote yeah not long after that he was uh having some issues in his personal life uh all right so you did bring up a nine-second KO, but I wanted to bring that down later. Um, it was uh, it was a really cool KO, and there's a, mm-hmm. there's some pretty interesting info behind it. So let's get into the recaps, which start at September 10th up to yesterday, October 7th. So we had Noche UFC, as they were calling it. 
Alexa Grasso defended her flyweight title against former champion Valentina Shevchenko. Let's go from the bottom up of the card. Stop me if there's something you need to discuss. Kyle Nelson gets the unanimous decision over Fernando Padilla. These are featherweights. Uh, Daniel Zaluber submits Christos uh, Giagos in the second. You know, lightweights Raul Rosas, the face, knocks out Terrence Mitchell, bantamweights. Yeah, that was an excellent uh, comeback fight for Rosas because yeah. he had lost. I think he had ex- he'd kind of exchanged wins and losses recently. He's not too far into his career. Um, so that was like promising to just see a young guy rebound so well so quickly. Yeah, it's unfortunate it came at the expense of Terrence Mitchell, who's kind of a, a parallel in that way. A young guy pretty early in his career, and he's been kind of um, roller, having a little bit of a roller coaster recently. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the nature of the beast. Not much he can do. The good news, and this is a sport that is uh, very forgiving of losses. So even though Mitchell's lost two in a row, like, he's he's okay. Yeah. Like, the last time he lost two in a row, he won, what is this, one, two, three. He won 11 straight after the first time he lost two in a row. So I think he'll be okay. Yeah, that is something that MMA does do a lot better than boxing does. Now, this is uh, one of the two fights that had picks on it. Oh, man. I'm going to start playing taps for Kevin Holland. He drops a decision to Jack Della Maddalena from Australia. They are ranked, Madalena's for, ranked 14th, Kevin Holland 13th at welterweight. I'm trying to remember. Because Madalena's a, he's a really good striker who is competent enough at, on, on the ground. And while Kevin Holland is also a really good striker, but he's not that good on the ground. He's okay. He knows enough, but... Mm. Yeah, this was a tough night for Holland. Um, I feel like right off the bat, like he felt Madalena's power, and he just didn't seem like he wanted to engage. Which is, it's kind of rare because Holland ha- likes to kind of throw himself into the fire. But it seems like on this night, he was he played a little too safe. I don't know if that was just the fear of the striking, or if he just was saw he saw something unexpected just out the gate, and he didn't know how to deal with it, but. Madalena controlled the pace, and he won this fight pretty handily just off of that. Hmm. Maybe Kevin Holland really having an affinity for striking and then coming into Madalena Witt, who might be might have more power than him, or than he more power than he expected, while also being very competent. And like Holland wasn't expecting someone who can strike as good, if not better, than he can. Right. Hmm. And. The thing with Holland, too, is that he's fighting really a lower weight class than he should be. Like, just the fact that he's kind of working himself down to welterweight, like, you can tell that he, he just looks different. Even if he's, he says he feels better there, but the physicality, I mean, the difference between that and middleweight is just, it's such a big jump. It's like 15 pounds. Yeah, he does look so pretty So that can wiry. have an effect on you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, still, I'm going to keep, uh, I'm still on the Kevin Holland train. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, you gotta be. Yeah, we're going to the top, big dog. All right, and for the main event, we had Alexa Grasso gets a draw with Valentina Shevchenko. As much as I wanted Grasso to win, I don't think I agree with this being a draw. No, this was a, a like genuinely a robbery. Yeah. Um, 
merely for the fact that if you look at and I say that based off of how the fight ended up being scored, because <laughs> yep. if, if you want to make the argument that Grasso won three rounds to two, I think there's an argument there. I don't think that's I don't think she, she winning is an outlandish thing to say. But the scorecards at the end, one of the judges gave Grasso a 10-8 round in the final round of the of the part or of the fight. And I don't know how you get that. Uh, that was an insane uh, scoring. And if that had been properly scored 10-9 Grosso, then Shevchenko would have won a decision. Yeah, that 10-8, it's, it's an interesting ground to put it on because that was a round that I feel Shevchenko was winning pretty handily. I think up until the last minute when Grosso decided to show up. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, yeah, Shevchenko looked light on her feet or striking was on point. And then, you know, two... Grosso's credit, she had a, a really big moment, and I think that was an I think there's an argument that she stole the round there. But uh, a 10 8 round, and especially like in MMA, 10 8 rounds are so rare. Like you got to get your ass beat. Like it's it's more likely that the ref will stop a, a fight rather than you surviving a round like that and getting to 10 8. That's generally what you expect to see. Like someone, like, you think of like uh, when Khabib was in his run, he would get guys on the ground within 30 seconds and then smash for like five minutes straight. Like he would just, you know, drop hammer fists and elbows on him the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the round. That could be that's what you would expect from a, a true 10-8 round in MMA. But this this wasn't that. This was a really competitive round that there are there genuinely are arguments you could give it to Shevchenko too. I've seen people say that. And I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah, definitely a sketchy situation. I think uh, Shevchenko had it right in her little post-fight interview where she said, if if it was any other day of the year, I would have won. But it's, you know, Mexican Independence Day, Mexican champion in a crowd full of Mexican fans. So, you know. It really did feel like home cooking. Yeah, yeah it's unfortunate. But I hope that they have the trilogy. Shevchenko definitely deserves it. Was it? I didn't. She say she was fighting on a broken hand or something. Yeah, she broke her right hand uh, in the first round. Yeah, and then she went on to still like piece her up with that jab. Yep, that's exactly what I was gonna go to. Was despite having a broken hand, her lead hand, still that jab controlled Grasso like a fucking marionette. It was it was fantastic. Shevchenko looked amazing. Unfortunately. For her but we'll see we'll see if they do it again i hope so um, they have to because i mean it's still this was still such a competitive fight even yeah, if definitely. shevchenko's healthy i mean uh the power and the the submission skill of grasso like it really keeps her in this fight i think a trilogy would be an amazing fight to have it does uh, call cough, to... cough on ufc 300 please dana <laughs> senpai it does call into question the first win um because it did happen more on a Shevchenko mistake, you know, just a quick miss, a little misstep that Grasso was able to capitalize on more than it was like Shevchenko being totally shot or anything like that. Oh, yeah, I thought I thought she had I thought the, the writing on the wall was that Shevchenko was about to have a serious decline. And that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. Like she still looked elite. Yeah, that was this. This fight was definitely proof positive. Um, real quick, a one, uh, f- 
what is it? Friday Fights 34. This was on September 22nd in uh, the Lumpini Boxing Stadium in, in Thailand. This was like a Muay Thai fucking super fight. The legitimate super fight. Um, Superlek uh, Kiatmu 9. Uh, it's the actual number 9 in his name. That's, I mean, Thai people are kind of weird with that. Uh, and versus Rotang. And not going to really try on his last name here. But uh, Rotang and Superlek. So Rotang is, he's uh, the like the longtime champion. Uh, he's been on a murderous streak. And Superlek is, he was the guy coming up, uh, climbing the ranks, also looking like a beast. So they met. And wow, Superlek gets the unanimous decision. Despite Rodtang putting a pretty serious cut on his head, like just right at the top, where like his right where his hairline starts, and uh, yeah, Superlek was just covered in blood the whole fight. It was it was pretty gruesome, but still very entertaining. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I think this fight like convinced me that, and I think convinced you as well. Like as as we see later on our agenda here, that we need to pay more attention to 1FC uh, Muay Thai cards. Because, oh my god. Like, Hell yes. The, the recent ones we've been watching have been phenomenal. And a lot of them are just streamed, you know, free to YouTube on a Friday morning kind of thing. So it's like, I'll watch it before I go to work or something. And, like, seriously entertaining stuff. Like, I don't know how this isn't more popular. Because it's like, it's all of, it. like, if you meet someone who says they don't like MMA, it's typically because they don't like the grappling. Well, this is like MMA with no grappling. Yeah. There's elbows, there's uh, knees, right? You know, kicks, you know, you, you go flying st- attacks. It's just like all sorts of, you know, and it's a three, three minute round. So you have to go like, now. There's no, there's no uh, waiting around. Yes, and something that we were talking about yesterday, which I'm going to mention a little later as well, is one FC has this thing where the referees can prompt the fighters with specifically calling for more action. Um, that's the word that I always heard, and I like had to look into it, but the referee would say more action, more action. And this wasn't a situation where they had to use it, but... That's something that One FC does. It's, it's. Uh, I've never heard of something like that, but it's really cool. Um, I think it applies more to like their uh, grappling, their grappling uh, circuit and MMA as well, since there's grappling in there. But yeah, if One FC, if the uh, ref feels there's not enough, <laughs> not enough damage, then you bet you, you better step it up if you want that. You want that bonus. Wow. Uh, yeah, definitely pay attention. If you're not paying attention to 1FC, you better fucking start. Uh, like you said, Nathan, it's like Friday morning. Uh, you're, I don't know, you're getting your coffee, whatever, sitting down, sitting down at your desk to start working or whatever. Just throw on 1FC and watch. It's fucking, it's in super entertaining. Yeah, I can't agree. Can't agree more. We'll be seeing more of it soon, I think. Absolutely. All right, um, Bellator 299 was at the Three Arena in Dublin. Uh, not a whole lot to talk about, I think, but the results, Aaron Pico knocks out Pedro uh, Carvalho in the first uh, featherweights. 
Johnny Eblen knocks out Fabian Edwards in the third at middleweight. This is Fabian Edwards is the younger brother of UFC champ Leon Edwards. So kind of interesting, I guess, seeing the uh, the fighting Edwards family. <laughs> Not quite as a yeah. Maybe the scales are tipped really heavy on one side. I mean, if he did get to like the, he's at the championship level, so there's that. But curious, maybe uh, mm-hmm. Edwards isn't at quite the the strategist. All right, let's. Hey, wait, wait, maybe I'm a little lost here. Is he? He's related to Leon. Yeah. Oh, he's brothers. his younger brother. Oh, okay. Well, he learns something new every day. Yeah. Yeah. He's a casual now. <laughs> I looked because when I saw the poster for this, I looked at him and I and I, I looked at Fabian. And I, I honestly had to second guess myself. Like, man, am I? I'm no, I'm not thinking that. Like, they look the same because like they're black or something, right? His name is Edwards. They kind of look alike. I, I need to check. And wouldn't you he's know? He's like, yeah, he's like Leon with a bigger forehead. Yeah, he. They really do look a lot alike. And he, uh, Leon, uh, is in works Fabian's corner. So, hmm. Uh, yeah, calls a little bit into question. Mm, all right, let's move on to a fight night card at the Apex. This was a good one. All right, the Tim Means Andre Fialo fight got moved to the prelims, but that turned out being uh, KO3 for Tim Means. Uh, Brian Battle submits AJ Fletcher in two. The, those two fights are welterweights. Uh, Marina Rodriguez, KO2 over Michelle Watterson Gomez. These are strawweights. Uh, Michelle is ranked 12th, and I believe Marina drew a shitload of blood. And yeah, Michelle was... Uh, yeah, that was a that was actually the goriest fight on the card. Yeah. It's funny how the women's fights sometimes end up being like that. Like, you wouldn't think it, but they end up being, like, real brutal just because of elbows. That's yes. just how, how sharp the, the points of your elbows are. So if this fight was the goriest, this next one is the glorious. Bryce Mitchell, ranked 10th, gets the decision over Dan Ige, who is ranked 12th. These are featherweights. Uh, Bryce Mitchell came in with his Bible in his hands over his head and screaming freedom. Freedom! Yeah, (laughs) William Wallace ass. (laughs) Still, it was a good fight. It was fun. Yeah, big win for Christianity here. <laughs> um, yeah, all those who are Christ-pilled rise up. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was funny. Uh, maybe next time he'll come in with like a flat earth diagram. Oh, goodness. Because uh, he's apparently he's also a flat earther. <laughs> Ain't no curvature. <laughs> uh, have you heard that flat earth rap song? It's terrible. But... Uh, I may have. I may have removed the cringe from my mind. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Because there ain't no curvature. It's terrible. It's so bad. It <laughs> sounds like a BuzzFeed song or something. Ugh. And the main event, Matus Gamrot, ranked seventh, knocks out Rafael Fiziev, ranked sixth at lightweight. And knocks out in, in quotation mark. Fiziev's oh, like knee snapped. Yeah, or I, whatever. I had it listed somewhere. I don't know why it's not there anymore. But it was, yeah, I had it listed as a medical ko no oh, gotcha not a it wasn't legit so it, it the fight was stopped in the second is better better way to put it 
Do yeah, you this, think they're going to do it again? Not immediately. I think just due to their place in the rankings, Gamrot is probably going to want to move into a, a title contention spot soon. And, you know, with a knee injury, like, I think he may have even torn his ACL. Oh, so goodness. it's like, that's a long, they yep. can't keep Gamrot on, on just ice. waiting around yep. for that. Yeah. Um, and that sucks because Fiziev looked great uh, in those first two rounds. It was close, um, but you definitely saw his like kind of striking brilliance coming through early. And then uh, I watched some recaps and they said the uh, one commentator pointed out just the way he was switching, like puts a lot of stress on your on his knees. So I think he like switched and then threw a kick and all all of his weight shifted. Something along those lines is to an explanation of how how that injury happened but oh i just uh had a shiver go down my spine thinking about recalling the sound that like there's a giant pop very audible when uh, mm -hmm. fizzy threw the kick it landed and then there was a pop yeah i think he, yeah he might have torn something oh my goodness gross yeah that's the the uh what do you call it the, the curse of uh, an apex fight. You know, you can hear everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the bubble fights that boxing had. Mm-hmm. Just coming out of the pandemic. Uh, let's move along on. So the UFC, UFC was, uh, they went quiet or dark or whatever they, however they put it, the weekend of the 30th. So for this one, we have Stamp Fairtex. This is one FC... Uh, this was an MMA fight. Uh, she stops uh, Ham Sohee. I think this was like the inaugural, the first ever fight for the Adam Weight title. So, uh, whatever. What but, are these like hundred pound guys? Uh, I, th I think they're. I think they might be in the nineties. Holy shit! Because this is below straw weight, which is I think one hundred and five. But yeah, super tiny. Stamp Fairtex becomes the first ever three-sport champion um, with MMA, kickboxing, and Muay Thai. So that was pretty cool. And one other one on the same day in Salem, Virginia, Bare Knuckle. I bring this one up for the two things. Um, if you do like brutality, if that's, you know, the gore is your thing. This is a card worth catching up on. Uh, Dustin Page gets the UD over Joe Elmore. Somebody... Oh, no, the, and the next fight. This is the one. Uh, Britton Hart is the champion at straw weight. Unanimous decision over Melanie Shaw, ranked fifth. Shaw, um, her face was rearranged. Uh, is, the, I think, the gentlest way to put it. It was bad. Uh, she lost some teeth. And, uh, yeah, she had, like, that alien look, like, that alien bulge, except over her entire oh, face. Oh, no. It was rough. Um, I personally can't stomach watching Bare Knuckle. You know, I think the last time, when I finally called it quits, someone got a knuckle straight on their eyeball. And uh, I don't recall if she lost it, but her eye was permanently messed up. Yeah, it's very brutal. It's yes. like genuinely like gladiator sports is what it feels like yep moving on the 30th this is the 
nine second KO. Very, very fun. Very in go go watch it if you haven't seen it. So Cedric Dumbay knocks out uh, Jordan Zebo. These are welterweights. Um, so some news on Dumbay was he was supposed to be in the UFC, but the French Commission, uh, their rules are the fighters with less than 10 pro fights must not have four or more fights of a differential, which Dumbay's opponent uh, had four or more. Also, he later revealed, Dumbay, I mean, he revealed he had a brain bleed, which is another reason the fight was canceled. So the UFC cut him. Here he is in the PFL. Wreck and shop. Yeah, and I think he actually did have like one or two UFC fights, but um, he was, you're right, he was re- released from the UFC after that. Um, and yeah, and he's back to killing guys now, uh, just over at PFL. Yeah, I think um, this is something that we talked about briefly yesterday when we were catching up on the on the Fight Night card, is that there is talent outside of UFC. There absolutely is. I mean, obviously, Demetrius Johnson over at 1FC, but uh, Doombay's at PFL, like he's in the European League, uh, however PFL is structured. And there's uh, some guys in Bellator who are pretty legit. So something worth keeping an eye on is Doombay, among many others. There's a lot more going on than just UFC. Mm-hmm. And, and this is also like the kind of talent the PFL wants if it really wants to establish like a cult following for itself. Because they've got Doombay, who's, who's a knockout artist. They've got Nganu, who's a knockout artist. Those are two like just instant highlight reel guys that they could roll out there and just amp a bunch of more marketing behind them and if they you know pick up a couple guys across a couple more divisions or if they end up absorbing bellator as was uh rumored a couple months ago i mean i'm talking out of my ass i just checked and it's not confirmed so forgive ignorant me the purchase went through oh it did yeah so it's i think it's a matter of how are they going to integrate with each other interesting because bellator just had had its 300th uh thing i wonder if do they have any more scheduled beyond that? I think I'll have to check. I but I believe they do. Maybe it'll be like a promotion relegation type of thing. I don't know. The the top guys go to Bellator for like the marquee events and then PFL is the I don't know, the farming system that leads up to it. I don't know. Just spitballing, yeah, I, I guess. I bet they like they could have like the Bellator series. It's like your championship series or something. I bet they'll try to combine the names to some effect. Like PFL's your umbrella, but you know, you just keep the name, keep the the name brand there. Yeah, Ryzen. Hopefully, mm-hmm. they continue to do the cross promo fights that they do. The PFL yeah, Bellator I do hope they do that. Ryzen Alliance versus UFC. Also on the thirtieth. Uh, I have blocked this event from my memory, but um, this was a boxing event at the the T-Mobile in Las Vegas. Canelo Alvarez gets the unanimous decision over Jermel Charlo. The super middleweight undisputed championship was on the line. There's a lot I can say about this, about the event at large, but we'll be talking about that more I'll be talking about that more on uh, B-Sides 
which records later today. But Nathan, the floor is yours. What did you What did you think about the card? Just the card in general. Whatever fights you want to highlight. Uh, I think the card itself. A lot of the hype around it was this is the best like top to bottom boxing card put together this year. And I think up until the main event, it lived up to that. I, I enjoyed every fight that was uh, in the prelims. And then the main event happened and ruined everything. And not just because Canelo won. Like, that's that's not an issue for those Canelo fans that may be listening. But this was just a, <laughs> this was a garbage fight. I don't know. It's like Mel showed up for a paycheck. I can't believe I've ever had to say that about uh, one of the Charlo brothers. Yep. But um, that is... a it appears to be what happened. It was a exceedingly boring fight. It was nice to see that Canelo is still capable of looking uh, elite, but at the same time, he's fighting someone from two weight divisions up. So what does this really mean for him? Or I'm sorry, two weight divisions down. He's he's pulling a guy up. Uh, what was it? 14. Uh, 14. 14 pounds. I mean, it's like, come on, man. Yeah, uh, the, the 14 pound difference, I think, showed the most. That I feel that I feel that that's what contribute contributed to Charlo's uh, f- lethargic performance, I guess. And the one other one in the co-main, Erickson Lubin, gets the decision over Jesus Ramos. Oh, I forgot about that. That was a wild robbery. No, the fuck he did not. <laughs> no, he did not get that win. Absolutely not. Um, I forgot about that. Was still an entertaining fight, though. Yes, very much. I have so. to say, and the. De- it probably wouldn't have been, you know, it was a good fight. It was okay. But the, the decision really was the icing on the cake of like the what the fuck Absolutely. aspect to it. I think just for a frame of reference, this was more egregious than Grasso Shevchenko was. Uh, Yeah. That was pretty bad. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, that's in UFC, that's a, a one point swing, really. It's a bad one point swing, but like. I don't think Lubin won more than four rounds. No. And he, he had a 117-111 card for him. Yeah, and then a 116-112, which is 9-3 and 8-4 for those who don't know boxing scoring. That was That's insane. That's really bad. Yeah, like like even if, and I, I real quick, let me go on a tangent. Um, even if you think Ramos let off the gas in round nine, which I think he did, but even if you think he automatically should lose those remaining rounds. You're looking at like a six, six at bet, like a draw. That's your best case scenario for Lubin. I think. Yeah. That was something uh, I, I didn't like hearing was the, Oh, well he let off the gas. Okay. That does not mean he lost the rounds. They just right. became and more it competitive. It's ridiculous. Right. And it definitely, uh, it definitely doesn't mean that Lubin cut five other rounds in there somewhere. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Very crazy. Uh, we'll be discussing that. Um, I got the homie Drip and the homegirl Shanata is going to be debuting with us. So that's fun. Let's see. We were talking about the 1FC earlier and it being worth something paying attention to. On the 6th, there was a... Um, so they have their Friday fights and fight night cards don't understand the difference they're both on fridays i don't get it but whatever so uh, this was a uh, one fc fight night 15 at uh, the same same arena lumpini boxing stadium in bangkok i picked out one in specific uh mikey musumechi is 
the circuit, they call it submission grappling. And th this guy's a phenom. Uh, I, his professional grappling record is 63 and 5. And his losses have only come to guys that are considerably bigger than him. He was grappling with this guy, Shinya Aoki of Japan, who is, he's like one of the OGs, I guess. At least that's how they were talking about him. Uh, Musumechi is starting to branch into, he's expanding his, I guess, fight skills into, he's picking up Muay Thai. I think he's training with one of the, one of the two guys, I don't remember which, but it was a Superlek or Rotang, one of those two. But uh, he goes by Darth Rigatoni, so that's kind of fun. And the absolute Chad. Yeah, the scoring is well. It's you know first tap wins. Um, it was a ten minute single round, so just you know go at it. Whoever gets it gets it. And uh, Musumeci got him in three minutes and five seconds. It's pretty wild. Uh, all right, one on the seventh was the aforementioned Bellator three hundred. This was in San Diego. Usman Nurmagomedov, the lightweight champion. Beats former lightweight champion Brent Primus, who is from American Top Team, I came to find out. But Usman is one of the ones I wanted to highlight as there is talent outside of UFC. I recall you meant you had mentioned his skill level is such that he could what enter UFC and immediately be in the top five or something? I I would say so. Um he's he is that good. Um, he's less of a uh, a wrestler than the other kind of Dagestani guys are, but he uh, his striking is really good, and so I think he'd be. You could throw him in with like the fifth ranked uh, guy in his division. I think he would do well. Yeah, his striking was really it was really good. Uh, Primus didn't really seem to have a whole lot of answers. It was really clear. I don't know if it's a landslide. But I don't know if it was competitive either. I don't know, somewhere in between those two. Uh, also on the card, they had a heavyweight title fight that got canned. Uh, I don't remember why. Uh, Chris Cyborg, the featherweight champion, knocks out Kat Zingano, uh, what is Zingano, who was ranked first. Zingano, the sequence was Zingano threw a kick and tried to follow up by shooting in. And Cyborg checked her and that put her out. Mm -hmm. that was pretty cool <clears throat> you could just force her down really and just hammer fist it. yeah she she checked her on the way in and mounted and ground and pound and that was it uh liz carmouche gets the last minute ko uh over alima mcfarlane ranked second at flyweight uh carmouche is the champion so that's bellator 300 ufc fight night on the 7th this one was pretty entertaining. Uh, we'll go from the bottom up. Bill Algeo, Algeo versus Ale Alexander Hernandez. Algeo, Algeo gets the UD uh, at featherweight. Uh, I I think I'm uh, in agreement with this. What, didn't he? Wasn't it a sweep? All three had it. Yeah, thirty twenty seven. Uh -huh. Thirty twenty seven, and I think we both thought that was a little sus. Yeah, it's a little wide because Hernandez had a, lot, a very strong. He had good success, good spots of success, wherein his his uh, successful striking was more powerful, more damaging, I think. But I don't know. How are you going to score it? Uh, Drew Dober, KO1 over Ricky Glenn. 
These were lightweights. Oof. What did you think of the that? It was a pretty quick one, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Um, Dober made the pretty light work of them, which he, Dober's been around for a long time. He's kind of one of the older. He's got over forty UFC fights or MMA fights at this point, and I, this is. I don't know, something you're seeing more of these days where older guys that should be like fading and just it's kind of a given that they just either look like regressed or they just start losing to these younger, younger up and comers. For some reason, they just they're catching this ungodly second wind and they're just producing highlight reel finishes. And as we'll talk about later, this is a bit of a theme for this card, as we'll see in the main event. But I'm thinking back on. I want to say like circa 2017 in the boxing media like ecosystem there's a character named Steve Kim uh, if you mm -hmm. like if you know boxing yeah. you know who that is um, if you don't he's a fucking douchebag that's really all there is to it but he would always talk about this thing specifically because he hated Floyd Mayweather he would always talk about the quote unquote fountain of youth if if like an older fighter at the tail end of their career finds the fountain of youth, that should be something that's you should be suspicious of that, and that's something that would should require further investigation by whoever, Vada, Usada, whoever doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But that that's something that I think about when I see older guys looking like monsters. I guess my counter to that would be that uh, sports nutrition has come like in a yes in incredible ways in the last five years, and it's kind of standard that everyone's got one. So I think people are eating and training better and smarter now than they did maybe in their maybe they took losses earlier in their career because they were fighting injured or they were not taking care of their bodies and they weren't at 100. percent And now now that they ha actually have that in place, they're they're able to perform to their potential. Yeah, and like Floyd Mayweather obviously has a fuckload of money, so he can get the best of everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not unreasonable. He was all Floyd was also just such an animal in the gym, yeah. and like I mean, it, as much like he would kind of flex his lifestyle, he wasn't like a party animal. He was like he really took really great care of his body. Uh, when he was competing or when he was in camp and uh even out i of think camp. that's why he they even out like it was like 24 7 he lived it yeah he'd always be at his own gym uh if he's not like working out himself he's working out with the like his proteges or you know the prospects that are in his gym so mm -hmm. he's always there he's always in there so yeah not a surprise for him and yeah with sports science evolving the way it has it shouldn't be that surprising that people are able to compete at this level long further into their lives okay joaquin buckley of spin kick fame gets the ud over alex morono who surprisingly survives to the final final bell uh yeah joaquin buckley this was he's moving up right from lightweight yes yeah and Yes, <laughs> that was. A... I'm. I am surprised. Yeah, yeah. This. Is, I think this is his first fight at welterweight. First or second fight. He's moving up 15 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. But man, if you see him, the guy is still fucking jacked. To, he's ripped to fucking shreds. Holy shit! 
and it oh, really... I'm sorry. He actually moved down. He oh, was a middleweight. Okay. He's a middleweight. He moved. He moved down. Oh, so he's moving down 15 pounds. Goodness, that. And he's still like a fucking muscle monster. It's ridiculous. Contrasted well with Alex Morono, who, when we were talking about it yesterday, was I described him as he looks like he used to be a chubby kid. And he decided to go to like a grappling gym or something. And that's where he started losing a ton of weight, you know, just exercising all the time. And but he also discovered that he's actually pretty good. So he started taking that further. And that's how he got to got to the UFC. So that's fun. Um, I like Morono. He's the Beyblade legend. Missed his back fist. Caught a caught a guillotine. Uh, Joaquin Buckley almost <laughs> fell into that trap. He had Buckley almost locked in. Buckley was about to slam him on the ground or like double leg takedown or whatever. And Morono almost got him again or almost got the the guillotine again it, while he was in a vulnerable position. So it's pretty wild to see that kind of acumen. But as the round, as the fight went on, the dude was very clearly done. I want to say that the entire last round was pretty much was pretty unnecessary didn't really need to see a whole lot more of that i'm shocked i'm, I'm frankly kind of shocked that well i'm i'm shocked but i'm also not surprised if that makes sense that the towel wasn't thrown in because you it's you never see an mma coach throw in the towel but there was no reason for that not to happen like he was just getting like beaten up he didn't have anything anything left here he was just getting unnecessarily damaged yeah uh, his um I think the most telling parts were when he would try he would try to shoot in so that he could kind of stall and get some breath, get some air. And he would like he'd drop down to shoot and then just kind of flop over and not not even reach Buckley at all. It was really bad. <laughs> wow, I, I'm not really sure what to say other than wow. Like that's I don't know what needs to change in the mentality of MMA, but Man, sometimes you got to save your guy from himself. Sometimes you, as a coach, need to swallow your own pride and not let your dude get his ass beat for an extra mm-hmm. five minutes that he doesn't need. Right. I wonder if it's because there's like it's coaching by committee sometimes in MMA. Like you have your head coach, but then you might have a couple specialist coaches that you took from when you were like a boxer or a Muay Thai guy. You have that guy, and then you have specifically a, a grappling coach of some kind and. So you almost have like a like a coaching tree, and so they're if if everyone's kind of equal, it's like who who makes the call? Like is that established? Oh yeah. And then are the are the other guys going to protest and try and talk you out of it, or is everyone in agreement? You know. Yeah, that does. That's an interesting point. Um, boxing has chief seconds, and yeah, they're like they're the only ones allowed into the ring to to do any coaching unless the cut man gets to go in but they're the only typically the only ones that are doing any coaching whereas yeah Mm -hmm. there's definitely two if maybe even three people at the stool doing giving specialty advice still like i i don't know i if let even if it was three people i'm not sure how they couldn't get two of them to agree that alex was done yeah, well, I mean, it just seemed one guy to throw the towel in, yeah. you know? So, I don't know. Well, moving along, Joe Pfeiffer submits 
Abdul Al Hassan, middleweights. This was a this ended in the second round. Pfeiffer looked pretty fucking strong. The thumbnail for this video on the ESPN Plus site was very misleading because they had Al Hassan throwing a kick which looked to be landing, and he like he looked ripped like his leg was really muscular and that's how they that it's kind of weird how that they framed it that way only for Pfeiffer to pretty much dominate the entire time yeah it was uh it is kind of funny when the the commentator will set a narrative right off the bat and then it goes like completely opposite way oh well so yeah speaking of narratives did you know that Joe Pfeiffer came from nothing no, I didn't know that. Yeah. Until he said it like 10 times in the <laughs> ring. He would not stop screaming it. And, uh, you know, shout out to his uncle for being 10,000 days sober. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, practically his entire life. <laughs> I've got my uncle out there who's over 10,000 days sober. Uh, but, yeah, 10,000 days sober, I believe is what he said. That's a little bit of a mix up here. Um, the uncle... The sober uncle thing was on Algeo, not Pfeiffer. He had one drink when he was 19, and that was enough for him. He yeah. was reformed Catholic after that. Teetotal. Teetotal from day one. Uh, well, well, Pfeiffer at middleweight. He's not ranked, so like it's we can't really uh, talk about him in the like the Str- Strickland level yet, but I'm, I need to see who's like up. Up. Well, Anthony Hernandez is 15th at middleweight, and he lost. So Pfeiffer could sneak into the top of that division. The I guess the low end of that of things. So Anthony Hernandez lost. Uh, I'm not recognizing a whole lot of names up until like number nine, uh, Brendan Allen. Uh huh. Roman Dolides Dolides. Not. Yeah, I'm not seeing a whole lot. That's recognizable, but I don't really know that much. Oh man, Bobby Green, KO one over Grant okay, Dawson. Real quick, real quick, uh, you may need an edit there. Uh, this Hernandez, Anthony Hernandez, is not the same as Alexander Hernandez. Yeah, who I just said lost. And Anthony Hernandez, different person. Oh, did I say Alexander? <laughs> no, no, I said Anthony Hernandez is at fifteen. Yeah, uh, but he he did not. There's a different Alexander Hernandez is a different guy at featherweight <laughs> who, oh. who lost. I got them mixed up. Okay. All right. Well, what also got mixed up is uh, Grant Dawson's fucking brain. Bobby Green, KO1, over ranked 10th Grant Dawson at lightweight. I don't know. Can I usually try not to think too deeply into really quick knockouts. I don't, but I, I don't know, man. Like Bobby Green had Grant Dawson on on the retreat for the entirety of the fight until it ended, and he showed him like zero respect. Like right from the opening bell, he's like hands at his side. He's you know kind of goofing off. Yeah, like the, it felt like the first punch he threw knocked him out. <laughs> like he had him. Com- he, he saw through him completely. Like there was no. Uh, he he had no no hesitation, no fear of what uh, Dawson brought. Yeah, is there much more that we can glean from this? Like, if Grant Dawson's ranked 10th, and I'm guessing Bobby Green is getting a shot against... He's fighting number 10 because of his name recognition? Yeah, and I think he's been on a bit of a winning streak. 
Uh, he lost to Drew Dover, but since then he beat Tony Ferguson. And he's kind of like the guy he's been around for such a long, he's a long time veteran. He's sort of like gatekeeper. Um, and he may have just been the biggest name they could have given to Dawson uh, at the time. And then that, I guess, completely backfired. Well, looks like Bobby Green is uh, needs to get he needs to start getting back in the rankings. Uh, yeah, r- rank Bobby Green, cowards. <laughs> he, he also, I mean, I have a, a pretty solid respect for Bobby Green. I mean, he took an, a fight against Islam Makachev on like a two week notice or something like that. What two weeks? It was something crazy like that. Uh, he was who did he step in for? Benili Dariush. He was injured. Um, what is it with and, Dariush and just fucking fumbling every time he has the opportunity? I don't know, man. He uh, he just can't catch a break. Yeah. yeah, he 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 was replaced by Bobby Green on ten days' notice. Ten days to face Islam Makachev. That's ridiculous. Like it at that point, like yeah. Even though he got finished in the first round, it's like who cares? You have you have to be a certain kind of like you got to be a different breed to do that. Yeah, ten days to step in with a fucking beast. Like yeah, I can handle that. It's not a problem. Yeah, Bobby Green. I'm hope I'm hopeful that he can take this career renaissance further. All right, now we're not having picks. I don't think because Chief's not around, but. Points as of October 1st are 37 to Chiefs 48. Might need to start figuring out like prizes or something. Yeah. Get a little like a trophy or something. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, But our preview block is from today, October 8th, up to the card on the 21st. So the Fight Night card first on the 14th. At the apex, from the bottom up, Christian Rodriguez versus uh, Cameron Simon. These are bantams. Uh, Mark Andre Barriolt versus Michel Pereira, middleweights. Uh, Jonathan Martinez ranked 13th versus Adrian Yanez, ranked 14th at bantamweight. Uh, Jennifer Maya ranked 9th versus Vivian Araujo, ranked 11th at flyweight. And Sodiq Youssef ranked 11th versus Edson Barbosa, ranked 13th at featherweight this is a fantastic little uh, fight night card i see a lot of good matchups on here honestly i'm only familiar with uh edson yeah edson barbosa yeah michelle Pereira. he was supposed to be the guy to fight uh wonder boy on the ufc 290 the 96 card the one that was on uh terrence crawford versus zero spence jr's uh night yeah um and that got canned Pereira missed weight uh, but, I mean, it looks like he's moved up a weight class to compensate for that. He's always a fun watch. Uh, Christian Rodriguez, he's also a fun watch. Uh, Martinez and Yanez, it's a good, like, kind of like bubble fight. These are guys fighting to keep their rankings. So mm-hmm. I'd expect that to be pretty close. And then I think the even the women's fight, Jennifer Maya and uh, I don't know if I can pronounce her name. Vivian Arujo. Vivian Arujo. Uh, that might be it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. This is a this is a, a kind of a solid uh, fight night card. I'm I'm kind of impressed. I think this one would be something that's good enough to be a fight night on location instead of at the apex. I'm gonna put it in a different city. 
Yeah, this is good enough to put on like, uh, put in an arena somewhere. Yep. Uh, what what is it about Yusuf that makes it a, that makes it a good matchup for Barbosa? Because like I mean, Barbosa is really fun and really dynamic and explosive. Oh, I would have had to defer to Chief here. I know nothing about uh. Yusuf. I just know how good Barbosa is. I'm missing you. All right. That's. Uh, I mean, he's 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 good enough to have a fringe top ten ranking, so he's no scrub. Um, yeah, of course. Let me see, Sadiq Yusuf. Let's see if I recognize this guy. I think I've seen him fight before. He oh he lost to Arnold Allen in 2021. I think I remember that. That does give him a bit of context. Looks like he's been going to decision a lot more as of late, but he's got some submission wins as well. So. But anyone against Barboza is just cannon fodder. Let's be honest. Yeah, the guy's on the, he's on the climb. Um, let's see. Let's get onto UFC 294. I'm going to assume that this is just a common name, and not that they're related. But Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Muin Gafarov. These are bantamweights. He's not related I to think, Usman, is he? Uh, I guess he is not. Yeah. Saeed is not related. Uh, Nasruddin Imavov versus Ikram Aliskarov. UFC, come yeah, on so now. This, so Imanov, I think, was scheduled to fight Shemaev a couple weeks or a couple months ago, and Askarov was supposed to fight Costa. I think that's what the the matchup was, and then they swapped them. So now it's it's Costa and Shemaev and Imanov and Askarov. Which is a way better matchup, uh, by the way. Like these two guys, Aliskarov is is trying to crack the the rankings, and Imanov, you know, he's trying to assert himself higher. It's a pretty solid matchup uh, to put together here. Hmm. Uh, let's keep going. Magomed Ankalaev ranked second versus Johnny Walker, ranked seventh. Light heavyweights. Ooh, rip Johnny Walker, I think. Uh, I think this is the third time that we've said that. It's true. We uh, we have been expecting the fall of Johnny Walker and has yet to happen. But to be fair, he's fighting like outside of uh, he's probably fighting the third best guy in his division right now, outside of uh, Alex Pereira and uh, oh man, I'm blanking on his name. Yuri, old champ, y- Yuri Proskov. I don't know why I forgot his name. But yeah, Ankalaev is legit. Uh, he arguably beat Jan Blahovich. They they fought to a draw, I think, earlier this year. Uh, but Ankulaev is just really, really good on the ground, and he's really good on the feet. And I, I frankly, I don't know what, what j- chance Johnny Walker has. Like, I think the best-case scenario is he makes it to a decision. But I think he gets finished before then. Unless his flying knee game has improved more than it oh my already God. is. If Enkeliev gets knocked out by a flying knee, I just I'll just have to like <laughs> I don't know if I, I have to be downgraded to casual if that happens. Like I must not know the sport if if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, co-main Paulo Costa ranked sixth versus uh, Hamzat Shimaev ranked fourth at middleweight. So- yeah, this is uh, it's a good one. I I'm have been very high on Shemaev and I, I still am. I still think that he's going to really do Costa dirty. 
um, because this is his chance to really assert himself in the rankings. Um, uh, He was at welterweight for a good time, and he was forced to kind of, he had that kind of debacle with uh, when he was scheduled to fight Tony Ferguson. uh, Or no, he was scheduled to fight Nate Diaz, and he like missed weight, like, laughable like by 10 pounds or something like, like that like he didn't even try to cut and so they uh they he fought kevin holland instead oh this uh fourth ranking is from his that's his welterweight ranking not he's not rated at middleweight yet but yeah he's stepping in with number six so he must they must see something that's worth putting him in with oh yeah Sh- shumayev's a monster he's right. he is a seriously explosive wrestler and he's got good striking um the only real hole in his game i think is his striking defense like he gets hit more often than what i would like but costa costa looks the part but he he doesn't act the part enough for for me like he he looks like he should be a really great striker but like he will sometimes he'll show up sometimes he won't and I don't know. I'm I'm not a fan of his inactivity as of the last couple of years. Like he's been on a a one fight a year uh, streak for like, the last three years, and I'm just not confident in him in this spot. Yeah, with uh, with that little that few of outings in that amount of time, yeah, kind of have to call their dedication into question. And if you're not fully committed to what you're doing, especially in fight sports, like when you have the the beast from the east or whatever, yeah, you can't you, you yeah, can't take I, him I lightly. I, I wouldn't call Costa's commitment into question because if you look at the guy, he's he is jacked. Like he he clearly puts the time in at the gym, but his like career moves have been weird. Like he. Mm. For a while, was like he signed this really, really lucrative contract with the UFC. That, like, it pays him honestly way more than it should. And since signing that, he's like fighting, you know, middling, ranked, you know, contenders. He's not really moving up anywhere, and he's not moving quickly. Like, like I said, he's only taking like one, one fight a year. So it's like, how do you sign a contract like that and then not fight anyone of note? Well, time to fight somebody of note. That's right. Uh, all right. Speaking of people of note, Islam Makashev, the champion at lightweight, is fighting rematching. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. We recorded this before the news of Oliveira dropping out. So we're still talking about this as if it's an Oliveira fight, obviously. And yeah. We'll uh, talk on Volkanovski another time. Charles Oliveira, who is ranked first. Oliveira got this spot over beating Darius, right? Am I recalling yes, that? Yes, he did. Correctly. He yeah. did. Well. And man, what a what a fight this is. What's changed since their first one? How did the first one go and what's changed since then? Oh, Islam knocked him out. Yikes. Um, it was uh so that was like that was a really shocking fight for me because I was really high on Oliveira going into that fight. Um, and like, I knew, I knew the fight was over. Like, I mean, this was the beginning of the end uh, of that fight, but Islam caught him with a straight, right. And just completely knocked him on his ass. And it was like, man, when the, when the supposed master wrestler is out striking you and 
we considered Oliveira at the time to be one of the best strikers in uh in all of the UFC that was like really blown away by that and I think part of that was like since then we've we've kind of come to recognize uh just how good of a striker Islam is he's really underrated but it was weird to see the way Charles approached that first fight and he said since that he felt really anxious and nervous going into that fight like he was more kind of riled up than he normally is and so the difference in here really could just come down to mentality is charles gonna fight how he normally does is he gonna be uh you know smarter about and less reckless with his striking or is he gonna make the same mistakes as last time the the tough thing is even if charles is everything right i don't know if he can survive on the ground He's good off his back. He's got a good submission game, um, thanks to his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But uh, we've only seen one person nullify Makachev's wrestling with Volk. And I don't want to... you got to remember how good of a guy Islam is on the ground. You can't just look at the Volk fight and think anyone can do it. Man, I mean, this could be, this could be a really exciting fight. Um, I really don't know how to call this one. I think my brain would would lean toward uh Makashev here but I definitely my heart definitely says Oliveira if he if he were to knock knock him out in the first or second round and recover his title that would be an insane story to see <coughs> that video that I sent into the group chat I have a question for the men what the fuck do you want to claim the winner by TKO Oliveira being belted, getting that's his, right, getting the strap put on. Yeah, is I think that's what we want. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I don't know that much about either guy, uh, just based on the little bit of information that I have and what I've seen. It's uh, the brain obviously goes with Makachev. The heart is riding with Oliveira, even if it's a long shot. Now, I do have a bit of a wrench to throw in that prediction. Is that Ma the things Makachev has been saying like really don't sit well with me. So he's like, when they first announced this fight, he was like, oh, I'm disappointed. I don't really care to fight this guy again. Which was weird because this is obviously the best guy in, or in the division you could face. Like, what what's the hesitation here? And he's already calling out the winner of Leon and Colby. Like, he's like, that's who I want next. It's like, what do you mean next? You've got the number one lightweight oh, contender in front of you. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if the narrative of this fight is the mentality's reverse, where Oliveira's on point and Makachev's, like, not. He's, he's kind of one foot out the door. Yeah. Right, right. And he gets caught. Oh, goodness. And Oliveira does have the... the he is explosive enough to do it, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You need to watch his like uh, his knockouts. He beat. Well, I guess he submitted Dustin. He submitted Dustin. He submitted uh, Gaethje. But those are both guys he was out striking up to the point of the uh, the submission. He had an epic fight with uh, Michael Chandler to win the belt. Uh, Chandler sat him on his ass and uh, really looked like he was on his way to becoming the champ. And then Oliveira just came out in the second round like a bat out of hell and like knocked him out like super quick like 30 or 40 seconds into the second round so 
Like, do not, do not overlook Charles. This is the last guy you should be overlooking. Just be careful, Islam. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe with uh, recent events, it's not. This is in poor taste. What I was thinking of. Oh. Uh, Islam <laughs> I didn't moving. Even think about that. <laughs> Islam moving up to. Yeah. It's. Oh God. <laughs> I'm just gonna call yeah. him Makashev now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, banking on uh, Makashev to get the win. Uh, <clears throat> uh, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't. It took... Yeah. It, that one clicked, like, way too late. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. Oh, uh, it's funny. I was going to ask you if you guys were going to talk about that on the on your Taco... Next Taco podcast. Which? The situation in Israel-Palestine? Mm-hmm. No, that's on uh, the Progpats that uh, debuted last week. Oh, that's right. That's what I meant. It, tacos is is different. Yeah, that's all fucking touchy feely emotional stuff, and the uh, Progpats is more political. Right. Uh, there's a whole lot of implications here. A whole lot of questions that we're gonna get to on the on the Progpats show. Uh, also, the aforementioned HS Hard Shell Tacos, if you want to uh, get all up in your feelings with me and my cousin, or B-Sides, if you want to listen to more about boxing. Nathan, you got anything to plug? Uh, your monstrous fucking carp? Yeah, follow me on my uh, soon-to-be-releasing fishing Instagram. Uh, name to be forthcoming in the next episode, I guess. Yo, we could probably we could make that into a show outdoorsman type of thing oh we could uh all right so something to some food to think on uh the the outdoors all right so socials lvx media Uh, net what i'm sorry oh i was gonna say also fuck tyson fury yes you don't have chief here to say it yeah fuck so i'm filling in for him this time so lvx media net is everything on that's across all platforms very reluctantly got back on twitter but there you go contact options if you go to lvxmedia.net you hit the ultimate fucking casual page the contact options are right there and they will they will be listed in the outro as well so with that all said parting words oh i guess i said my parting words early it was it was fuck tyson fury yeah fuck tyson fury now I kind of hope that Nganu really does. I'm really wanting it more than I did before. I want uh, Nganu to, to put him to sleep. That would be so awkward. <laughs> Into an Usyk fight. Yeah, walking in, coming off of a knockout loss. Yeah. Well, well, well I mean, hey, they could both be coming off knockout losses because Dubois totally stopped uh, Usyk in their fight, didn't he? True. Yes, uh, he technically did. The, there you go. The cup clipping situation all right with all that said thank you very much for listening to the ultimate fucking casual if you would please do all the internet shit like rating the rating reviewing the show on whatever platform you like interacting with the fucking social media stuff it all really helps i know everyone says that but they say it because it fucking works it really does help so thank you for listening Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you have any questions or comments on what was discussed or have a topic you'd like to hear on the podcast, you can leave a message on our unattended phone line at 
589-7637. That's 833-LUX-PODS. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lvxentertainment.net.